at Fusion on this rainy Sunday morning. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. We invite you to stand up and greet one another with the peace of Christ. The word of the Lord from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. Let's sing praises to him this morning.
to the well that never runs dry Drink of the water, come and thirst no more sinners come find his mercy come to the table he will satisfy taste of his goodness find what you're looking for for god so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only to save us whoever believes in him will live forever the power of hell forever defeated now it is well i'm walking in freedom for god so loved god so loved the world
everyone. So good to be here worshiping with you on this rainy summer morning. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. We need it, right? Yes, it's a good thing. Our God is a God of balance. We have the sunny days and we have the rainy days. And it all works together for the good of his creation. So will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? I'd like to begin with words from Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Lord, when I hear those words, I also comes to mind the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And in the second verse, it says, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And so we do that today. 
Heavenly Father, your countless attributes are worthy of all of our praise. You are holy. You are just and righteous. You are compassionate. You are forgiving. You are grace-filled, and you are loving. And we offer our devotion to you. Thank you that as we pray, we know that you are here. You are here in this place. Holy Spirit, move in each of us this morning. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your creation and through your word. Thank you for this place, for the Heart of White staff and the church family who deeply love and care for us. Thank you that you have been with each of us every step of the way along our own individual journeys. We celebrate and we give thanks for the recent baptisms, the professions of faith, and for the new people who are joining us here. As together we seek and we learn and we support and we enjoy the grace and the goodness that is you. We need only to pause and reflect to look back in our lives and realize your faithfulness and your mercy. We pray for our loved ones who may be struggling at this time. We know that we live in a broken world. As we see this through sickness and grief and despair and fear, we see it all around us. And you know each individual pain and need right here in this room, within our families and within our church family. People need the Lord. We need you. Though we so often try to handle life's challenges without seeking you first. Forgive us, God, for the times we've been unprepared, too busy to care, or try to fight and wrestle, relying on our own strength. Forgive our pride. Lord, we thank you that you do know our every weakness, and we pray for your protection. We are constantly facing a battle. Protect us from trouble wherever we go and keep evil from us. Fill us with wisdom and discernment as the enemy entices in such subtle ways. And it's so easy to fall back into old habits. Remind us each day that we put on the armor to guard ourselves against attack, the belt of truth to protect against lies and deceptions, the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts from the temptations that we battle, the gospel of feet, gospel of peace that we put on our feet so we're ready to take your light wherever you may call us, the shield of faith that will protect us from the lies that can help that fill us with discouragement, and the helmet of salvation, which covers our minds and our thoughts, reminding us that we are children of the one true king, the living God, forgiven and set free and saved by the grace of Christ Jesus. The sword of the spirit, your very word, the most powerful offensive weapon given to us in battle. For that when we proclaim out loud in the name of Jesus, the enemy is disarmed and he will flee. He is defeated. John 4 says, I have overcome the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Finally, Lord, send an army of angels 
to surround this campus this morning and each and every day, protecting our pastors, Pastor JB, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Bill, Pastor Florencio, our children's ministry leaders, our youth ministry leaders. Protect them as they bring your mighty word of truth. You are our hiding place. And under your wings, we can always find refuge. Thank you that we never fight alone, for you are constantly on work, at work on our behalf, shielding, protecting, strengthening, exposing what is harmful, bringing to light what needs to be known, covering us from the cruel attacks that we face, those that we are even unaware of. Today, we can all make a choice to walk in the peace and freedom of your spirit and not be overcome with fear and anxious thoughts. We know it's not easy. We know that. So please give us the courage and the boldness as we journey together. And we pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. At this time, Aaron, are you taking the kiddos down? All right, we're going to head. We're going to, well, there's Becky. You can head over to the door there. And any kids want to head down for um, children's ministry classes, we're going to give them a blessing. All right. Are you ready? You guys, you know what? You're going to have to be really loud today because there's a lot more adults in here than you. So I need to really hear your voices, all right? Okay. Grown-ups, let's say, the Lord be with you. All right, you got it covered. Good job. Enjoy your morning. They did it. I think us adults need the encouragement to be louder, you know. We'll do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you. And uh, good morning again. Good morning. And uh, it is good to be together. Indeed, rain, shine, it's just good to be together. Amen. Um, just a couple of uh, things to just highlight before we jump into to God's word. Uh, this Wednesday, we have our prayer outing. Looks like the weather's going to hold out. Uh, we are going to be meeting at the, the parking lot over by Mount Pisgah and at 6 o'clock. If you'd like to sign up, we got, we, we've got a little tech savvy over here. There's a QR code over on our offering boxes. And so if you want to sign up, you just scan that. It'll bring you right to a sign-up form. And uh, if you want to join us uh, for some time of prayer and then some ice cream to follow, Encourage you to do that. We got a good group right now. Uh, next week, uh, we also have the fusion uh, potluck barbecue. So we're going to be grilling some hot hamburgers and hot dogs out in the pavilion. So next Sunday, be prepared. Come with an appetite. Uh, also come with a dish to pass if you can. Uh, if not, that's okay. Uh, we'll have plenty of food. Just come enjoy uh, some time of fellowship and gathering together as we continue to embrace this, this vision of, of sharing names and sharing experiences and sharing life. And, and with that same vision, uh, we're, we kind of highlighted last week this idea that was borrowed, but uh, breaking bread groups. The idea is three households will meet three different times over the course of three months this fall. Sign-ups will be coming your way hopefully this week, by the end of this week. But look for more information uh, on that as well. Also, a couple of highlights, uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, we, had a, we had a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, we had a, a dinner here uh, for Luke Kerrig for the ministry in Ireland. And I just wanted to share that, that we raised more than, than we expected uh, for Luke and Kelsey. And so that is a wonderful thing as we continue to support their mission.
mission work in Ireland. And uh, that, is, that is good news. Also, uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Justin Rito, I was a candidate for the part-time music director position over at Celebration. Uh, that is moving forward, and his first Sunday is going to be next Sunday. And the first couple Sundays, he's going to be kind of floating around. So look for Justin and his family as, a, as an opportunity to, to meet them and get to know them a little bit. And uh, as we share all of these cool things that are going on, just a reminder uh, and, a, and a thank you for your faithfulness in giving uh, financially to support the ministries. We got those offering boxes so you know you can scan the QR code as well as uh, give to the ministry here at Hardaway Ministries. Uh, and with that, I want to show a little highlight video. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had summer service week, and uh, there are just so many people involved to make this happen. This is going to give you just a one-minute snapshot of what's going on, uh, but I just want to share some of the, the testimonies. Uh, we had uh, 160 people. Uh, because of your donations, we were able to serve those kids at 64 cents per meal. Is that incredible? I mean, so thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the donors, the sponsors to make Summer Service Week a, a possibility. I just want to read this one testimony. I didn't get a chance to uh, earlier, but uh, this is from a student. Hardaway has opened me up to so many new things, and I connect to God in a way I never imagined. Summer Service Week has taught me so much more about God and the way he will always forgive us and he will always love us with all his heart no matter how many times we sin. I mean, isn't that what we want our kids to learn and know and embrace, amen? All right, now I gotta compose myself and I got a minute because we got a little video to show some highlights. good, amen. Uh, Mary was sharing with me too uh, before the service that uh, we've received, what was it, 76 thank yous? 79 thank yous for, for people, organizations that, that, have, that have helped. And so God is good and I just want to say I wish I had that much energy when I did yard work, you know, and doing some dances and whatnot. Our kids are amazing. They are an amazing gift. Uh, but let's jump in. We got some, we got some digging in uh, to God's word as we continue in a summer series through the Lord's Prayer uh, called Teach Us to Pray. That's the title of the series. Uh, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of that series, uh, but we've been working line by line through this well-known prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, a prayer that, that we continue to pray and recite together as a community, as we'll do in just a few moments. Uh, but this is also a prayer that gives us a model for how we are to pray. This week, we're going to be looking at this line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
If you remember, the, the prayer is kind of split up into two movements. We're in the second movement of the prayer where the prayers uh, have to do with some requests for us. And a couple weeks ago, it was uh, provide for us, provide us food. Last week was forgive us. Uh, today, you could say uh, it's protect us. Or another way of saying that is deliver us uh, from evil, right? A, de- a prayer for deliverance. Again, for our scripture, we'll be using the words from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel, found in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And this week, we're going to be using uh, a translation, the New Living Translation. It's kind of a paraphrased translation, but using some modern language. And uh, this translation, there's going to be more variation uh, than some of the other ones. And so just as we recite this together... You gotta really, you're gonna wanna say other words. So just pay attention to the words on the screen. I, I, as I was practicing, I kept wanting to say the ones I've memorized uh, for so many years. But uh, we're gonna recite uh, from the New Living Translation together. If you're willing, if you're able, I invite you to stand as, uh, as we hear God speak to us and we pray together. I will say that first line, invite you to join with me. Pray like this together Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's continue praying to our God. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And Lord, once again, as we continue to to study and consider the the words uh, of this prayer, Lord Jesus, that you taught us to pray, uh, Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you open uh, our ears to hear from you uh, so that we might be encouraged for the journey? Uh, that you've laid before us. We pray all this in Christ's name. And God's people say together, amen, amen. Just two weeks ago, um, we, were, we were on that section of the prayer. If you remember, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And if you remember the sermon, I, I used all these illustrations uh, for my kids and as, as they asked their dad for different things. And that was kind of the, the, the working illustration throughout the sermon. And, and if you remember, uh, kind of the setup for that was, was that my kids, particularly Bryson, likes something sweet called candy, right? And so he, he, you know, if he asks for it, that's great. But so anyway, I, I, I just got done preaching a sermon where I'm talking about him asking me for things that are sweet, and if he asks, I'll give it to him, which is not always the, tr- always the case. Anyway, so, so that's the context. Uh, after that service, I'm, I'm going to put my mic pack away, and I, I cut right through here to get to my office, uh, going through the main office, and I walk through the main office. There's Bryson and, and one of his buddies from church. Uh, will remain, well, he'll remain nameless. I'll so just let his parents kind of wonder if it was him. But Bryson and his buddy, they're standing in the main office, kind of hovering over this, this basket full of chocolate Hershey kisses and you can just like see from behind the wheels kind of turning like I really want one of those Hershey kisses I got a picture of them there they are Uh, (laughs) it was just like the best picture I could find is that chocolate anyway but as I'm as I'm kind of like watching them from behind like looking at this basket of candy I'm I'm all you can almost like see that kind of that kind of pervert like that 
cultural, pop cultural, uh, you know, with the, with the devil and the angel on each shoulder, you know, the, the, and, and there's these voices kind of whispering in their ears, and so the one voice is kind of whispering, you know, looks good, doesn't it, you know? And, and I bet that they were left there just for you. You know, I bet your parents want you to have 16 chocolates, you know? On the other side, there's another voice. It's the voice of the angel, and, 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 and the angel is saying, you don't, you don't need sweets, you're sweet enough, my dear, you know. Uh, you're going to spoil your lunch. Cavities are not good for you. You should probably ask first. And so these are, this is kind of in my imagination as I'm watching them look at this, this basket full of chocolates. But, but instead of that voice, this is what they get. I sneak up behind them and I go, lead us not into temptation, <laughs> but deliver us from evil. That didn't actually happen. I, I wish I was that quick. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it in the moment. Uh, but I was, I was just thinking of this moment where, where they're just like looking at this candy and, 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 you know, this kind of caricature of a devil and angel. Like, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. That's not reality. And yet this, these voices that kind of whisper into our ears or into our hearts, I actually think that that image of these voices that whisper um, things into our hearts and our lives is maybe getting at a little bit what this prayer is actually getting at. Uh, but before we get there, we got some digging in to do. So let's, let's begin with verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer, lead us. Uh, the, the version of the prayer that we memorize, many of us, is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. What is this line that Jesus asks, commands his disciples to pray? What does it mean, lead us not into temptation? And here's, here's a suggestion on this one. What you kind of intuitively are thinking is probably the right answer, but there, it, there might be some questions that are out there, so let's dig in to maybe clear up some potential misunderstanding. Do a little word study, lead us into temptation. Uh, the Greek is gonna be on the screen here. Uh, the whole sentence will be on the screen. Uh, the Greek here, uh, lead us not into temptation. The Greek word for lead is a, is a compound word with a, with a preposition and a verb, uh, which literally means to carry into, right? To carry into or to lead into. Uh, you notice there it's in the negative, and so this translation, lead us not into, is actually a really precise, good translation here of the Greek language. What's more interesting, I think, is the second word, the second phrase, into temptation, okay? Uh, the word for, the Greek word for tr temptation here, uh, perismas, uh, is a noun which it can also be translated as uh, a trial or a test. And so lead us not into temptation, or is it a trial or, or a test? This is where some questions maybe begin to arise. The first question, I think, is we pray for, do not lead us, into tem uh, lead us not into temptation. One question you might be asking is, um, is, is God in the habit of leading us toward temptation that we need to ask him like not to this time? And, and your instinct would say, no, of course not. Uh, well, maybe it's the test or the trial. Does God test us? And the scriptures would say, well, yeah, God does test us, uh, like in the wilderness in Exodus 16, 17, 18, right? Um, so so, so is test, testing's good, right? There's some good there. What's the difference between temptation and test? There's some questions here. A simple answer, the difference, same Greek word, but the difference between temptation and testing is intent. Right, so think of it this way, if, if, if you're trying to tempt someone, you have ill intent, right? You have a bad intention. You're, 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 you're trying to tempt them, you're trying to trip them up. Um, uh, on, the, on the flip side, a test, who, who tests? Like schools, I know school's about to start, but teachers offer tests, right? 
And the teacher is given a test not to trip the students up. They're not trying to trick them. They're actually trying to strengthen them and help them learn and, and know the things that are being taught. See the difference between temptation and testing. There's, there's these questions, uh, but the questions kind of actually, I think, cloud what our intuitive response would be because I think our intuition is actually closer to the truth of what Jesus is saying here. The prayer is a prayer to, uh, for, uh, a prayer to ask for God to keep us from falling into temptation. I think that's the simplest, plainest, and the most reasonable and likely understanding of this prayer. We are praying uh, for God to keep us from falling into temptation. Why? Because we're prone to fall for temptation. We are prone to wander. We are prone to sin. And so we're praying, Father, lead us elsewhere, right? Lead us away from the temptation. Lead us into life. And I think actually our translation that we read this morning, the, the New Living Translation, actually captures the simplest understanding really well. It's on the screen. And do not let us yield to temptation. If we had any questions about does God tempt us, James uh, answers that one pretty plainly. When James writes this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. There's your answer. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. God doesn't tempt us, uh, right? This is a prayer for, for God to help us from falling into temptation. Let's bring it back to, to our two boys that we love, right? Standing over this basket full of chocolate. The reality is we're a lot like that. Like we're enticed by the things that we want, our desires, and we're easily tempted to, to believe that what we want is true and what we want is good and these, these, wisp, these voices that whisper lies and falsehoods and half-truths into our ear, this is temptation. And we need to resist that. And so we pray for God to lead us not into temptation. Which brings us to the next part of the prayer, uh, which, by the way, Luke's version does not include this next movement in the prayer, deliver us from evil. But it offers some clarity, I think. It's, it's kind of commentary for the first part, helping us understand where does temptation actually come from, and, and, and it's a prayer for deliverance from that. Uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil is how many of us memorized uh, this prayer. Once again, let's look closer at the Greek because I think this time is going to deepen our understanding. Um, and again, the Greek is on the screen, the whole sentence there, the whole statement, because that's actually going to help in our word study. The Greek word for deliver is ruomai, uh, which means to rescue. And I find this just as a, as a, as a beautiful aside, the, the word it has more than just rescue, but it, it literally means uh, to rescue to oneself. And so when we pray for God to deliver us, the image is of God scooping us up and bringing, him back, bringing us back to him, his closeness, his, his chest, right? That's a beautiful image of being delivered, not just delivered, but like delivered to the Father. That's a beautiful image, one I think it's important to hold on to. But for this morning, what I want to focus in on is uh, from the evil one. Right now, notice the Greek word for evil is poneras, uh, which means evil, bad, or malicious. Notice it's an, actually an adjective, 
Uh, oftentimes in the prayer that we memorize and deliver us from evil, that's really functioning as a, a, as a noun, but an adjective actually describes a noun. And notice too that in the sentence structure, there's uh, the definite article, uh, the, uh, to in the Greek, but it's the. And so if you were literally to translate the Greek here, it, it would read like this, but deliver us from the evil or the militia, and, and, and not evil as a noun, but evil what? Which is why in so many other translations, including the NIV and including the NLT, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Matthew here is adding clarity to the Lord's prayer that Luke leaves out. Rescue us from the evil one that tempts us beyond our ability to resist evil and temptation. Again, from the evil one. Rescue us from the evil one. Again, I think the NLT does a nice job uh, capturing this simplest meaning. And so together, and don't, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And actually, I think the message uh, translation or uh, paraphrase does a beautiful job. Eugene Peterson translates this part of the, of, the, of the prayer in this way. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves, from temptation, from falling for temptation, and keep us safe from the evil one, the devil. Take it one step further. Let's jump into Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, question and answer 127, because I think that simple statement is captured beautifully here in our catechism. What does the sixth petition mean? That petition being, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. What does it mean? It means this, by ourselves, we're too weak to hold our own even for a moment. Save us from ourselves. Save us from temptation. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. Save us from the devil. Deliver us from the evil one. I love that. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Lead us and deliver us. And now you're wondering, okay, well, what does that all mean for us today? Okay, how does it connect? What, how does this land in our context? Temptation, okay, the, the image of the, the bull, I, I get that, but the devil, like, wh where are we going with this, JB? I'm glad you asked. You didn't ask, but I'm glad you asked, okay? Here's, here's where I think they connect. Both ideas, when we think about temptation, as well as the evil one or the devil, the rubber really meets the road in what they hold in common. Now, the devil tempts us, and the main strategy is lies, or deceptive ideas. Think about it this way. There's a quote there from John Mark Comer. Most temptation is rooted in a lie or a partial truth. We're tempted when we believe that something bad is actually good for us or vice versa. That, that, that's kind of a simple way of understanding temptation. John Mark Comer writes this. One way to think about temptation is to see all temptation as an appeal to believe a lie, to believe an illusion about reality. And the second, the second connection point is the devil, his primary strategy to cause ruin to our souls is actually lies. Jesus says this in, in John chapter 8. He says, referring to the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what I want to do this morning is, is talk a little bit about lies or deceptive ideas because 
It's in some ways, it's this picture of, of us in front of this proverbial bowl of chocolates and you're hearing these lies being whispered into your ear. Let's talk a little bit about lies. This week, this past week, I found myself rereading John Mark Comer's uh, book, Tell No Lies, that came out just a couple years ago. Uh, I, I mentioned this in the email that went out on Thursday. And once again, as I, as I began, as I was rereading parts of that book, I was challenged and I was inspired by the book's uh, basic thesis, one that I've shared in this space before. But the basic, basic thesis he gives right in the introduction of the book uh, goes like this. Here's my working theory, he writes. As a follower of Jesus, we are at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Notice that echo from Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 127. Uh, he goes on. The three enemies' stratagem is as follows. Deceptive ideas, the devil, that play to disordered desires, the flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society. So the devil uses deceptive ideas that play to our disordered, ide- disordered desires that are normalized by a sinful society. Now, we don't have time to unpack all of that, that whole thesis, if you're more interested Go buy the book and read it. It's really good. It's really helpful. But I think it will be helpful for us to unpack how the devil tempts us with lies. And for that, we'll just go to a case study. And this case study goes all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, the story of the fall in the Garden of Eden. The setup is God has created the, the heavens and the earth. He, he puts Adam and Eve in this garden, says you can eat from any of the trees uh, except for one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat from that or else you will die. We step into Genesis chapter three and we see the devil's playbook for temptation. Now before we get into it, let's just acknowledge that I think, I think for many of us, our ideas of the devil uh, are more influenced by kind of pop cultural caricatures. So if you were to picture the devil, you know, that's this red costume with horns and a tail or something like that. Or on the other side, so kind of this fictional caricature. Or on the other side, it's, it's oftentimes more influenced by Hollywood, if we're honest. And so we think, of, we think of the devil and we think of these kind of supernatural showdowns portrayed in Hollywood films ever since the movie The Exorcist. And maybe those are kind of how we, we, think about, um, we think about spiritual warfare. And, and, and let me just say, before we jump into Genesis 3, there is a, there is a, a, there's elements of supernatural forces and, and there's spiritual forces and there's warfare that's part of it. Uh, if you remember, if you ever read um, C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, he opens, which is this satirical uh, book of, kind of from the perspective of a, a devil or devil talking to a demon. And anyway, but he writes this in the introduction. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, like think it's all just fantasy or myth. And the other is to believe and to feel an ex- excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both heirs and hail uh, the masterless or the magician with the same delight. Or uh, from, from the movie uh, Usual Suspects, nobody believed it, he was real. That was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. There's a little more modern twist on that same quote. And so we can, we can run into two errors to, to, to think too highly or to ignore and not think. But here we get into Genesis 3, and what we see is the, the, the main strategy of the enemy, the devil, is a subversive strategy of deception, manipulation, and lies. 
This has been the primary strategy from the beginning. Let's look at Genesis 3. It's on the screen. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Let's pause. Notice right away, uh, the serpent, this personification of the devil in the text is described as crafty or cunning. In other words, deceitful. And not only is he deceitful, but he's really good at it, right? In fact, this matches the description of the enemy in the scriptures. Uh, The names for uh, the enemy in the Old Testament would be uh, the Satan, which is actually more of a title than a name. The Satan, which means adversary or enemy. Uh, In the New Testament, Diablos or the devil is a name that, that is derived from the word deceiver or slanderer. Right, so he is the father of lies, he is deceitful, he is an accuser, he is a slander, he is crafty, deceitful, and he's good at it. Let's keep reading. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Again, notice the strategy. What is, what is the serpent doing? He's causing Eve to question God and to question God's very word. Did God really say? Is that really what he said to you? And again, not in an angry, like he's not yelling at, like there's, there's, there's not like a violent attack, no. Instead, it just comes in the form of a calm and calculated question. Did God really say? Verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat, from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Here we're kind of getting at just how clever the devil can be with his lies and his deceit. We see he he simply took what God did say in chapter two, you may not eat from this one tree and said, and kind of just twists that truth just ever so slightly. Did he say you can't eat from any tree? Because it's not an outrageous lie. It's not so off the wall that it's unbelievable. No, it's, he's good at lie, his lies because the best lies, and the devil knows this, that the best lies are mostly true or half true and that those lies play on our own desires. He uses lies that we want to be true. He's crafty. Let's keep reading. Verse four. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here comes the lie. You will not certainly die. That's the lie. And he's playing to basic human disorder desires. In this case, the desire to be like God. Again, you're not gonna die. You're just gonna become like God, playing to the desires of the heart. And by the end of the account, notice this, the devil never lifted a finger against Eve or Adam. There was no supernatural or spiritual attack. He simply came at Eve with an idea. And an idea that would lead to her eventual demise and Adam and paradise, right? See, from the very beginning, the devil's playbook was using deceit, lies, and manipulation. Fast forward many, many years later, what we realize is the strategy hasn't changed much. The strategy has not changed much. It's still the devil's primary strategy. A deceptive idea planted in the mind that plays to the things that we want, our disordered desires that are normalized in our sinful society. Now, we can easily step back and we can look out at the world and we can can look at the world and see the the chaos, the, the, the division, the discord, the violence. How much of that is actually rooted in lies? 
that people believe. I mean, I mean we, can, we can point out like wild conspiracy theories that people believe that have them doing crazy things or we can just look at our political discourse and both sides are saying the other side's lying which just reveals to us that we have no common baseline for truth in our society anymore. Or the radical redefinition of all kinds of things in our society. We can look at the macro side of it but what I really want to do this morning is look at the micro to bring it down to our personal level. What are the lies that many of us have been fed? What are the lies about God and who God is? What are the lies about ourselves or other people that we've believed? What are the lies that we've come to believe about what brings life and what is the good life? Some questions. How many of us have have ever believed the lie that, that we're unlovable? And how that lie just brings destruction. We just sang a song, for God so loved the world. That's a lie. How many of us have believed a lie that our value is tied to our appearance or our performance or our contribution to society or to our employer, whatever it is, like our value. That's such a a capitalistic kind of transactional way of understanding and seeing the world. Our value is not tied to our appearance, performance, or contribution. Genesis 1 says that we are created in the image of God. So every single person on planet Earth has the imago Dei, the image of God. That's where our value comes from. Or what about lies we've believed about someone else that cause suspicion and distrust because aren't they going to actually just do what this person in my past did to me to hurt me? Or what about other lies that we believe that this vacation or this home or this vehicle or this whatever will bring me happiness? Or if we just follow our heart, if I just do what I want, that'll actually bring me joy again. That's one of the narratives in our culture, right? The lies that we could point out are endless. And here's the reality. It's so difficult to try to sort through these lies. It's one thing to look out at the world and be like, look at all those lies. But when we turn the mirror back at our own selves and try to discern what are the lies that we are actually believing, it's really hard because we don't recognize that they're lies. We believe they're true. And so as we think about the lies that that the devil uses to get us off track and to bring destruction and our own demise, it, it becomes overwhelming a little bit. Which is why it's so important to be people of prayer, people uh, going to God in prayer so that we can pray for God to, to reveal to us the things that we don't see. That's why it's so important to be in God's word so that God's word is the foundation of the truth that form our lives and to be in community, to have people in our lives who can speak truth to us in love in a way that we can receive so that they can help us see the things that we cannot see. See, as we think about the devil's primary scheme, his game plan from the very beginning into today, that's helpful. In fact, as as Mary prayed and as some of the songs we sang, this recognition that the devil's been defeated by the cross, like Jesus has defeated the devil, and so really his, his only game left is to get us to believe a lie, right? And that's helpful to understand, but, but, but it's overwhelming and daunting because the reality is we cannot defeat his deception campaign on our own which is why this is part of the Lord's Prayer. Because the reality is, 
each and every day, we find ourselves at different moments of the day standing in front of that proverbial basket of chocolates, except for it's much more malicious than chocolates, right? Malicious and delicious rhyme. That was unintended. Anyway, it's much more malicious, malevolent, right? The things that the devil wants us to, to walk into are much more dangerous than, than taking a Hershey kiss, which at the end of the day is pretty innocent, right? And yet, and yet, it's so easy to fall into that trap, which is why we pray, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Which is why we regularly recite this prayer to recognize that we cannot do it on our own. We need God's help to lead us, to deliver us, to rescue us, and to bring him to himself. In fact, Heidelberg Catechism, uh, question answer 127, ends basically with, with this as an expanded prayer. And I just want to read this out loud. It's beautiful. We can't do it on our own. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit so that we might not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. See, the counterattack to the devil's lies has always been truth. Like, we know that. That's intuitive as well. When Jesus was, was tempted in the wilderness, which took place right before the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 4, the devil comes to him with a lie. Notice at the beginning, if you are the Son of God, in Matthew 4, that's what the devil says to Jesus, Immediately before this story, Jesus is baptized. The heavens open up and a voice comes down from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Yeah, of course I'm the son of God. But if, notice the deceit. He comes at Jesus with a lie and every time, how does Jesus respond? The counterpunch, the counterattack to the devil's lies, Jesus recites scripture, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, the law. But here's the thing. The scriptures remind us in a powerful way that the truth is not simply an idea or a statement or a, or a verse from scripture, but ultimately truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Our ultimate weapon to defeat the enemy is Jesus. And actually, as Mary prayed, the work is finished. Through the cross, Jesus has defeated the enemy. And so we look to Jesus to bring rescue and deliverance. And so we continue to return in this posture of prayer. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You join me in a word of prayer as we allow that truth to resonate in our hearts. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that we would be people of the word, that we would be people who, who live into the scriptures, who meditate on the scriptures day and night. We pray, Lord, that we would be people who pray, that we would be people who surround ourselves with, with other Christ followers who can speak truth into our lives. But Lord, in all these things, we're reminded of the good news of the gospel that the enemy has been defeated 
in the cross, in the resurrection, that death has been defeated, that evil has been defeated. And now, Lord, we look to you and we wait for you for that day when you will come again in all your glory and death and mourning and crying will be defeated when Jesus Christ comes again. In the meantime, Lord Jesus, empower us by your spirit, by the name of Jesus, to stand firm against all the enemy's schemes. Come, Lord Jesus. May we live in this together, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. commands all the hosts of heaven who else could make every king bow down who else can whisper and darkness trembles only a holy God what other beauty demands such Yeah. Oh, man. 
friends, we, we think about these things, it can become a little intimidating or, or even scary. Um, think about the devil and temptation. Um, I just want to leave you with the, the reality that the devil has been defeated, amen? And in Christ, he has, no, he has no power over those of us who are in Christ, which is why his only, his only option is to get us to believe a lie. But the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus, he, he shivers, he quivers at the name of Jesus Christ, right? So, so, so go from here, not afraid. As, Perry, as, as, as Mary prayed, uh, not in a spirit of fear, but a spirit of boldness and courage because Jesus Christ has won the victory. That is the good news of the gospel. Can I get an amen? And as you go from here, as you have some donuts and some coffee, as you enjoy some rain, maybe it's going to clear up, as you enjoy the fellowship of the community of faith, go with these words. And I invite you to, I got too many things in my hands, but I, I invite you to hold your hands like this to receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now forevermore. And God's people say, amen. Go in peace. Praise God, praise God, from whom